Welcome to Season 3 of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, a podcast about the Bay Area, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekis-Wolf. Hey, Yasha. What's happening, man? How's it going? Yasha, if you had to describe Indian culture in two or three sentences, what would you come up with? Oh my gosh. Uh, Have we talked about the wedding that I went to in Southern India where I spent almost a month there and uh, the wedding was over the course of two weeks? Have I talked to you about that? You haven't talked to me about that, but it's funny that you bring up weddings because the talk of the town right now is Indian Matchmaking, a show on Netflix that I would say it's, would you say controversial is a fair word to describe it? God, really? I don't think I would call it controversial, but maybe that's because I'm not of South Indian descent. So, you know, this is a kind of a special episode and it's one that's near near and dear to my heart as an Indian American. I mean, this show uh, has really captured the attention of America and the premise for those of you listening is, uh, and who haven't watched the show, um, several couples are trying to find love through the services of a matchmaker. And it calls every stereotype there is about Indians in America into question and we, uh, and magnifies it. We had the pleasure of interviewing one of the show's quote unquote contestants, Srinivas Rao. This is a really a fun conversation. I enjoyed it being there and also being a bystander to the conversation that the two of you had. You asked me an important question. How would I summarize Indian culture? I don't know that I would be able to summarize it in a, in a couple of sentences, but it is a clearly a very tangible discussion that the two of you have that's steeped in all of the ceremonies and expectations and stereotypes that exist in the culture that you grew up in. Yeah, this discussion went in directions I had not at all expected. So we hope you enjoy today's special edition of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. And hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you for uh, taking a little bit of time in this afternoon with us. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Where are you dialing in from? Are you in the Bay Area right now? No, I I moved to Colorado, um, I think, in... We, at the beginning of this year, like we came in November to give it a test drive and see if we liked it. Um, you know, a lot of my close friends were here. Um, I, I just, you know, I didn't have a lot of close friends um, in San Diego. And so that was just one of those things. Like I moved out of my parents' house at like, you know, 38. Right. So like, it's a weird thing to be that old and to like, try to begin to build a social life from scratch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, cause all your friends are like married, having kids and here you are still single. And it's like, okay, who's there to hang out on a Friday night. And, and eventually I think it just kind of got to the point where like, why am I doing this? I'm like, I'm going to go, you know, like I, I went there to surf and, and that was great. But I also realized I was like, you know, giving up the, um, like social connection, which is such an important part of like our well-being, and uh, yeah, so now I ended up in Boulder, and I'm actually absolutely thrilled to be here. Like, it's nice to like not pay a fortune to live like a college student. <laughs> we hear lots of nice things about uh, Colorado generally. Were you ever in the Bay Area? Was it ever a stopover point for you at any point in time? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, I went to Berkeley, and then um, I spent about ten years in the Bay Area. Then I went to Pepperdine for graduate school, and when I saw that it was eighty degrees and sunny in January, I realized. I was never coming back to the Bay Area. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I can totally feel that. Hey, so um, we, we want to talk about 
you and some stuff going on in your life right now that I'm sure a lot of people are interested in as well. But but this is a podcast about the Bay Area. Um, so I'm kind of curious, before we jump into that, like what's your hot take on the Bay Area right now? Like you're in Colorado, so that says something about yeah. your view on California. But what's going on in San Francisco in your mind right now? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that the, the reality of San Francisco is that it, it's basically um, – yeah, like it's basically like the you know literal embodiment of the inequality problem we're facing, right? You know, like I have friends who make plenty of money, and in to them the Bay Area, like they feel stretched, you know, that they can't like have nice houses or anything, and they're trying to start families, and they all have good jobs. I mean, we're talking people who went to places like Stanford, and they feel stressed. Uh, so I think part of it. I think what what has happened basically is you've had this like amazing hotbed of innovation that has led to this immense amount of wealth creation uh, and a lot of things. And the truth be told, like many much of what's happened in the Bay Area made my career that I have possible. Like none of it would be possible because you know, like I you know I went to college with Sunil's wife, and twenty years ago, you to build a website you needed like hundreds of you know, hours, thousands of dollars and a lot of technical skills. And if you didn't have the skills to bridge that gap between a creative idea and, um, you know, something that you wanted to execute, then, you know, that was all for nothing. So I think that the that's been the upside. The downside, of course, is that, you know, it's basically created this really sort of, un, you know, uneven income distribution. So I, I went to, uh, I did a study abroad in Brazil when I was uh, uh, my my second semester, uh, like my first semester, second year at Pepperdine. And at that time, Brazil had the highest Gini coefficient in the world. I don't know if this is accurate or not, so you'll have to fact check me on this, but I believe today we do. And, you know, that's in the matter of 10 years. So is the Bay Area to blame for that? No. But the thing is that, you know, the Bay Area has created lots of jobs. And at the same time, it's kind of like there's this massive concentration of wealth to the point where I had friends who literally were putting their unborn children on waiting lists for schools. And they got calls five years later after they'd moved away to say the person that, that their child who is now a kindergartner is not even accepted to the school, but off the waiting list. That's, <laughs> right? um, that's a real thing. I mean, that's still totally a real thing. I don't want yeah. to, um, I don't want to skip over the fact that you said you went to college with Sunil's wife. So yeah. I just want to call that out. And I don't know that I have a question about it. I just want to call it out. I also want well, to let you know that we have well, no fact checkers well, yeah. here. Uh, so let's let's talk about that. So uh, let's talk about uh, like just the connectedness of the Indian community in the Bay Area and elsewhere. And you know, Srini, we're we're allowed to, uh, you know, of course, for our listeners, you can't physically see me, but I, as it turns out, I'm Indian, and Srini is Indian <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know, like. Indians are pretty interconnected in the Bay Area and elsewhere. I would say that that stereotype is generally true. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's an understatement. You know, it's like how you know most people talk about six degrees of separation. Indians have two. Like I, you know, like my parents. Anytime they're like, oh, there's Telugu. I'm like, mom, every Telugu person you've ever introduced me to is related to me. Unless you want deformed grandchildren, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, so um, no, but but it's true. Like even um, Ramit Sethi, like the the popular you know blogger who writes uh, the site, I will teach you to be rich, and you know 
has this like wildly successful business and uh, you know, New York Times bestselling book, he actually put an Instagram post saying that like he he actually talked about these sort of um, you know, underground networks or sort of invisible networks that exist within Indian communities where word just spreads. And I, I think there's something that's the interesting thing is is like we really are all incredibly connected. Like I to me it was insane that my parents went in 2016 to India and they were running into relatives who I had no idea who they were who were listening to our podcast. And I was like, that's insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, to say we're connected as far as your wife goes, Sunil, I have nothing but fond memories of her. She's one of my favorite people because of the fact that she was willing to tolerate my insane amount of bullshit and my unfiltered uh, way of going about life and saying whatever the hell I wanted. And somehow she was able to look past that and see that I was a decent person underneath all that. Whereas well, I think other funny. people... We had, in common. We had <laughs> that in common. I was going to say, you were like the Sunil before the Sunil. For, for 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it's, that was one thing I remember about her very distinctly is like, I never felt judged by her, which is why I liked her so much. I was like, wow. I like, yeah. And, and I'm, you know, cause I mean, she spent, she, she did a road trip or two with me and a friend of mine who uh, was a foreign exchange student from Hong Kong. I mean, some of us, I mean, imagine two guys and, you know, like, and not really acknowledge the fact that there was a girl there and asked acting as if we would, if there was no other, if there was no woman there. And she still was able to like see the humor in it, which is why I think I've always adored her. Like I was like thrilled to hear from you guys. I was like, Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean that—that that is, you know, like she was one of the few people I did feel that I was like, oh, this is a this is a person who's not judgmental at all. So you know, on the on the podcast stuff, right? And so uh, how it happened was, you know, Chitra and Trini randomly reconnected, of course, and we it all also, you know, Vijay Raghunath and another good friend of ours did a socially distant and and Yasha, sorry, you're you're kind of being excluded from the Indian insider baseball here uh, for a couple of minutes. Just bear with me. I'm like excluded um, from my house also, yeah, Sunil, so that's fine. <laughs> Vijay, uh, um, you know, Chitra and I were were chatting about Trini, of course, in the show, and you know, Chitra and Trini reconnected. Trini, I mean, look, it, it's hard to have a conversation with you right now without talking about Indian matchmaking. So let's just get right into it. Yeah, that. I will. Um, By the way, I have to I have to comment on the Vijay thing. So that connection runs even more deep than you thought, right? So uh, I don't know if you know who uh, Ishita Gupta is. Um, so Vijay's wife is the twin sister of one of my podcast guests. Oh my gosh, that's okay. <laughs> We can do some, we can do some, you know, uh, some offline connecting the dots here. You, listeners, yeah. you can, you know, look up all these people if you can spell the last names and see if they're uh, connected on Facebook or, or Instagram. But, um, yeah. you know, on the show, like, let's just, let's, let's get into that. So it has yeah. captured a real moment here in a way, like, almost like Tiger King did at the start of the pandemic. How mm -hmm. did you decide to go on the show, right? Because it yeah. feels like that's a high risk, high reward thing. How is it totally. presented to you? And how did you decide to go on? Well, I mean, I, I think that like, you know, I, it was introduced me to a through coincidentally speaking of Indians who are networked through a friend from college um, who, you know, I still was in touch with, who was you know, another creative person. And, you know, it sounded interesting to me and I was like, all right, I'm single. Like I'm, you know, uh, like at this point where it's like, okay, this, this could be interesting. Like my, my attitude was best case scenario. I meet somebody amazing. Worst case scenario. Um, you know, like I'm the most eligible Indian bachelor in America, as your wife joked the other day. Um, 
<laughs> which trust me, that's nowhere as near as, as, you know, cracked up to be, as you might think that sounds um, like this week has been exhausting. And so was it, was it like an email? Was it a, was it a phone yeah. call when the producers got in yeah. say to you exactly? Well, I mean, it was just like, hey, well, you, you know, when we talk and we just kind of had a phone call, you know, they gave me the the sort of rundown of, okay, like, we're doing a documentary film, this is what the process is. I mean, my only question for them was, why me? And I was like, that, you know, and it was like, because I was like, not a doctor, engineer, lawyer. You know, I think that I was their token weirdo, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think you actually came out, you know, looking very incredibly smart to your credit. Now, um, uh, I want to I want to turn it over to a non Indian Yasha for a question after I ask this one, yeah. uh, just to get the, the different perspectives. But, um, you know, one question I just broadly want to ask about the show and just in your opinion, you know, one piece of pushback I get from our community as well. It feeds some stereotypes about, you know, fair, tall, et cetera, especially for women and traditional roles for men. Like, what are your what's your just general thought and reflection on that if you had to yeah i mean so so you read the article that i I wrote you know um the one on medium about what i call the the south asian cultural arms race for impressive biodata i don't even know how the hell i came up with that title but i was like oh that's an interesting way to put it um you know it it, to me you know like it revealed a lot of what i think were already problems in in this entire system and and i think it's only our generation that has been like i think we're vocalizing something our generation has been feeling for the last 15 years it's just that they've never been given a platform to really talk about it and i think that that's one of the big things to me you know you asked you know what's the risk what's the upside like i also you got to remember i had like a very clear edge going into this over you know any most people who do media because i've done media for 10 years i produced a podcast um you've sold companies so you know damn well that everything that you do in a public presence is a reflection on the people who invest in you and you know so i was very mindful of that and you know so that's the you know that that was the thing like i knew that um i knew that my skills as an interviewer would come in handy because i can control i can control the direction of a conversation pretty well at this point if i want to um you know you get me off of like an interview i'm really chatty as you learned the other day so you know from talking with your wife i talk too much but i was mindful of that as well and um but but i understood i was like media is an incredibly powerful tool to shape perception and that's the thing i think that is very easy to understand and misunderstand right like you see five minutes of somebody's life and you make all these conclusions. Like think about like what you do, like just looking at a person's Instagram feed, you never see what happens between the uploads, right? You know, it's, um, there's a guy, Seth Godin always makes reference to this book by uh, Scott McCloud called Understanding Comics. And he always talks about what happens in between the panels. That's where the real story is. And of course, that's the same thing with Instagram, you know, or any social platform. It's like, what is happening between the status updates, between the Instagram uploads? Like, Yeah, I, as David, as my favorite uh, writer, David Foster Wallace, puts that it, it's like, it's, it's not about the images. It's about crafting an image. I think yeah. that's what social media well, has become. If he totally. were alive to see Instagram, he would have, yeah. So, no, so I mean, let's you, but let's get into that. Yeah, let's get into that a yeah. little bit. So, if you think about in between the panels, I, I've often wondered on dating shows generally, like mm-hmm. independent of whatever shown, is there really any possibility that a connection can happen, or is it all just total manipulated panels on Instagram bullshit at the end of it to sell the show? Like, can you no, can I you don't. really find a connection? You know, I, I would say say yes. I mean, I may not have, but I, I don't I don't think that that was it was entirely you know out of out of possibility. Look, inevitably, like you got cameras rolling, you're gonna you know if if you're self aware, you will kind of think about like it's hard not to to 
be mindful of the fact that those are there, um, especially if you're like me and you had a public presence for 10 years that basically, you know, involves book deals with publishers, you know, like I said, investor money from, you know, investors um, and an existing audience that you pretty much knew would see it. And that, that audience already has an image in their head of who you are and what you're like, right? right. Like they've been, and, you know, fortunately theirs is much deeper um, from a thousand interviews, but even theirs is not entirely accurate because yeah. like, you know, other when I'm not behind the microphone, what am I doing? I'm sitting here with my roommate playing video games and drinking vodka at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'm not, it's not exactly the picture of an ideal future son-in-law for an Indian mom, you know? Um, but but the thing is that that's precisely you know what it is is that media you know is really powerful in in creating images. So yeah, I I think so. I think it's entirely possible because what are you doing? You're meeting a person. So anytime you meet somebody, regardless of the context, of course it's possible. I don't think that I would have wanted to do it. Like some people, are like oh, was this just a you know publicity stunt? I was like no. I think I'm 40 years old. I want to meet somebody. And and the funny thing is, I remember like you know the, my big question was like, well, what happens if I'm dating somebody like by the time we start filming? And we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And that never happened. So, um, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. That's, I mean, yeah, you, dude, that was, you sound like a pretty optimistic person, though. I mean, there, there, you could be yeah. totally cynical kind of digging in and, in that conversation as well, well, right? Yeah. So, so again, like, what's the point, though, right? Like, mm -hmm. even, even if you see, like... Look, a lot of the criticism is warranted about, like, you know, the colorism. I mean, I, I called all that on my own article on, on you know, on Medium. Mm -hmm. And so that stuff is because the thing is, I think the most Im impressive thing about this is that it actually exposed a lot of things that we all know, know and exist, but nobody has ever talked about. It's like, yeah. you know. And now they're out, you know, and they're out in the zeitgeist and they're out in the mainstream public and they're starting conversations that we should have been having 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, um, as kids who grew up in this country, like we shouldn't it shouldn't have taken us this long to get to the point where we're having this conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I you know, like it's, it's the, the cynical part of me. And that's why even when I wrote the article on Medium, I was very careful not to just present the downsides of all this. I wanted to also paint, you know, paint, a, a, I wanted to paint a balanced picture to say, look, there are very good things about the ways that Indian parents teach their kids to like, not, you know, like, you know, something like, you know, people get a, you know, dollar money for A's. Our parents are like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And that right there is a perfect example of intrinsic motivation. The problem is it goes off the rails to the point where it shifts from being intrinsic to extrinsic because it becomes all about parental validation. Um, so, well, speaking of, speaking of validation, um, what happens yeah. to you as a human who goes on a show that's on Netflix in, let's say, the social media world? Like what, what happens to you? Does, do you, uh, does it blow up or things the same as they ever well, were? It just really, it just really depends. Um, one on the scale uh, of it. Uh, obviously the success of the show. No, like no, no. I mean, I had no idea this was going to end up being on the top 10 show on Netflix. Like, you know, like, I mean, and, and the thing is like, I, I'm literally hearing from like Indian friends. I thought, Oh, they might be interested in it. Right. Um, Nobody else, like I mean, but I mean, I'm hearing from friends from every walk of life who are watching this thing, and I'm just like, this is kind of insane. And I'm I'm actually very relieved that it's not happening, you know, on too big a scale for me. Like I think I think other people are probably experiencing it on a much because I I mean I was only in one episode. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, to me it's been really pleasant. Like I've gotten very nice messages from people who've all dug into the podcast. Um, like a lot of old friends, you know, like your wife have contacted me. That's been amazing. Uh, so in all honesty, like, I think like I can honestly say to me, it's been nothing but upside minus the sort of, you know, 
people starting to call my parents. Like that part has been a bit annoying and, and <laughs> invasive. Um, and I've, and I, you know, to the point where I just, I had one call with one of my parents' friends and I called my cousin and I was like, you're the, officially the gatekeeper. And when my dad texted, he's like, Hey, did you talk to this auntie? I was like, yeah, I'm like, from this point forward, I'm not going to deal with anybody other than Rama. I'm like, you can talk, anybody can talk to her. Um, and so it's great because now <laughs> I'm protected, hilarious. you know, cause she's awesome and she knows me well. And you know, like I trust her judgment and you know, um, the, but 90% of it has been people checking out the podcast. Um, like I said, I mean, when people are like, I'm not going to engage in, in bashing anybody. Like when people are like, oh, I just discovered your podcast. Those are people that I'm really engaging with mm -hmm. you know, more than anything else. Of course, as you might imagine, like there are like a lot of random you know, women come out of the woodworks. But again, it's it's exactly what I said. Like it's that whole what's happening between the panels and, and their yeah. interpretation, you know, is of who I am is not entirely accurate. Do you talk to you people know? that are on the that were on the show after the show? Do you talk to Netflix at all? Like is the same experience is that a consistent experience across other participants on the show? Like, is it all kind of that just okay? I couldn't tell you yeah. that I couldn't tell you, like, I don't know the details. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I've been in touch with the people who, you know, produced it and all that and just, you know, um, but beyond that, not really. I mean, it's, you know, like I, I've never, you know, most of like, I, I saw what you guys did. That's all I know. Like it was, I didn't see anything until last Thursday or <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. It was last yeah. Thursday. God. What a long, holy shit. I can't believe it's only been that long. Seems yeah, like it's been yeah. longer. Um, you know, it, 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 yeah, it feels like it's been part of the, the culture. I mean, I think it's pandemic time. Like you, what it's done is it's everything that's being released now and Netflix has done such a good job with the docuseries stuff. I mean, and, or, and Last Dance is the other one, right? Like, so I feel mm. like Tiger King, Last Dance and this show have really- Last Dance was incredible. I love that. <laughs> Uh, you know, really, really good show. But, but, but look, I mean, I, I have, I have a number of other questions. I know like, so for our listeners and, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you, if you have questions about specific characters, we're not going to get into that into this episode. So, um, because I'm, I'm much, we're much more interested in sort of higher level questions. Um, and so I just want to, you know, to listeners who, who are like, Oh, I want to talk about this character. We're not going to do that right now because there's plenty of social media stuff about that, but, yeah, and, and like, what, I, can let me can I comment on that really quick? Um, you know, like, yeah. whether you like a person or not, I, you know, whoever is listening out there, um, you know, like we, like you, you, no matter what it is, like at the end of the day, like behind all those avatars, behind you know the profile pictures, are still real people, every one of us, right? And no matter how thick skinned anybody is, like, um, it doesn't like I can tell you as an author, right? Like I can tell you, like I, I, you know, navigating criticism is something I have to teach a lot of you know people who want to write books to do. And I can tell you, like to this day, man, I have a Wall Street Journal Journal bestselling book with like three hundred five star reviews. And the only review I can quote to you by memory is the woman who wrote me a two star review and said, "I hope this guy's a better surfer than he is a writer." And so I, I just want people to think about the fact that, like, you know, behind every one of those like really mean tweets that you send or things that you say. There are people like, yeah, they may not see it, but like, especially if there are women listening to this, like, you know, think about the fact that, you know, many of you are mothers with daughters and like, put yourself in, in you know, their shoes, like, because, you know, like, to me, I'm like, okay, we have an opportunity to set a different example here. Um, whether you, you know, like, and I'm not defending anybody or anything, but like, at the same time, like, I don't want to be particularly because I built an entire brand around telling stories that make the world a better place. And I never want that to be at somebody's expense. So, Srini, I am curious. A lot of the way that the show is framed is what your perspective match wanted 
I am curious if we had to reframe it to what you want and what you're looking for. And I'm particularly curious to know, and we're not trying to match you from this podcast. And get you more <laughs> done. It sounds like you have, it sounds like you have plenty of that, but, but it's more, it's more just kind of more cultural question, which is, you know, the medium post really good, but the, the, just the thought on what a South Indian, you know, American born person is looking for in this day and age. Like what, how would you characterize that? The outside world. Yeah. Well, okay. So, you know, I, I think that I'm sort of the anomaly, right? Like, I think that what most people would want probably is what I wouldn't, you know, like it, I was saying this the other day, I just, I just couldn't help but observe like every time, you know, particularly older people who would be like, they would try to tell me about somebody and all they would tell me was that the person, like, this is this person's occupation and, you know, their Telugu or this or that. And I'm like, well, yeah, what the hell does that tell me? Like, how is that a criteria? Like, that's it? Those are your standards? Like, come on, you know? Um, it's like, why don't we set a higher bar here? But I mean, that, but that also speaks volumes to like what the problem is here. You know, like it's, there's no question of, you know, character, like, or, you know, look, I mean, I think that I've, Pretty clearly, if you look at my life, uh, I don't necessarily want the sort of stable white picket fence um, life that I think many, many Indian people do. And, and, you know, maybe it's changing with other generations. And, and, you know, like, you know, some Indian girl may be like, oh, yeah, I would love that. But her parents would hate it. You know, I, and I know this from, you know, weird dinner that I had once with my own parents where, you know, we were sitting down and like, oh, you know we would you like just to introduce you to anybody would you be open to it i was like yeah fine and you know i posed the question what are you going to tell them about what i do for work and you know that kind of killed it because my parents were very clear about the fact they're like look we don't care but we know that this will be an issue for any of our friends and i was like well i don't want any part of that these people have been your friends for a long time the last thing we need to do is damage you know 20 year friendships over the fact that you're trying to set me up with a girl and that was it it was left at that so I think it's, it's, it's hard. How you know, do you like to, feel about, you know, you know, like, so, so you know, and you have taken a non, it, it, it kind of goes without saying, I mean, I mean, we know this, I mean, Indian community listening to this, it's like, you know, there's a lot of pressure to be a doctor or an engineer in particular, and mm -hmm. you've taken a non-traditional path, you know, yourself. How do you feel about how you were framed in the show? Like just the, the framing of, Hey, who is, this is who Srini is. Do you feel like, that was fair or, you know, what, what are your, just, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I feel it was totally fair. Like there's nothing in there that wasn't inaccurate. I mean, my brother-in-law got on my case cause he said I completely downplayed, you know, what I did, um, which to some degree that's true, but I also think it was a really good, the litmus test, um, to see how not just any one person would react, but the culture as a whole would interpret that you know, um, without me giving yeah. too much detail, because look, I could have been like, okay, yeah, I write books. One of them is a wall street journal bestseller. The other two led to a pretty substantial book contract. Yeah. I run a podcast, but it has thousands of people around the world who listen. And, you know, we were like, I didn't mention any of that on purpose. And yeah, I get paid, you know, five figure amounts to do keynote speeches. And yeah, the problem with all of those things is it goes back to that David Brooks thing that I wrote, read about in the medium article, which is those are resume values. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me, I was very clear about the fact that I wanted to be viewed through the lens of what 
you know, character would be eulogy values. And I think that they did a great job portraying that. Like, I think that that, that to me was one of the best things to come out of it because yeah, I mean, some of the tweets are funny. Somebody's like, how did nobody Google the fact to go see like that you've built this massive body of work. And even your wife said, you know, she's like the one person who seems to have revealed almost nothing in this entire experience as a byproduct to be on the show is you like, it's like, nobody knows anything about you. They have to go look. Yeah, no, it's true. So Yasha, yeah. I'm actually curious to ask Yasha a question. I rarely do this. It's all, I, actually, <laughs> we can't do it really very easily during the pandemic because we, you know, as a non-Indian person, just as like a, a white guy who lives in Marin County, sorry, that's a, that's a very... Uh, a, <laughs> Thanks, Sunil. <laughs> Technically, I live in uh, really Sonoma really County, Sunil. That changes that whole equation. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Yasha and I have like a, a very deep eight year long friendship. So uh, I'm, al- I'm allowed to make jokes at his expense like this for our, for our listeners who've been listening for a long time. You know that. But what was your takeaway from the show, Yasha, as somebody who's not, uh, you know, a cultural native? Uh, yeah. Like, what was your takeaway? Well, so, so two things. One, like, I'm not finished. So, so, so I'm just going to talk about the first few episodes that I've watched, but but I'm kind of reflecting on the conversation that we're having here. Like, Trudy, I I, um, I really struggle with kind of resume attributes as a way to introduce yourself or a way to think about the value of somebody else, and and I think that showed up for me in a way that was uh, maybe not super surprising, but it felt really tough for me as a dad. Um, mm-hmm. I have two daughters, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like. Am, am I going to find myself in a situation where my point of view on somebody that my daughter is thinking about is going to be about the attributes of the resume? So I think my reflection on the show ended up being more like self-loathing of like, ah, crap, like, am I doing this? Is this what my kids are going to think about? Is this how I'm going to interact? Then they may be reflecting on it culturally, but I, I do appreciate the questions, you know, because I, I think that there's some... Um, there's some challenges that we have culturally that the show, um, at least for me, like independent of my race and my origin, um, highlighted that I think are pretty uh, dynamic cultural issues that we're all kind of dealing with. But did you walk away with a positive or negative view of South Asian culture? Um, I, I wouldn't say either. I'm going to do like the non-answer or non-answer. Uh, I, okay. I think, no, like I took the, it's the panels of the show. Like I, so something that Sunil and I don't talk a ton about and Trini, um, interesting or not for you. I was actually on, um, MTV's singled out way, way, way back in the day. In fact, I worked on singled out for a few years as well. And so I kind of developed this very perverse view of like everything that's reality TV is totally BS. It's scripted. There are writers that are sitting in the background. They're training people on what to say so that it feels like it's authentic. And so I, I have a very kind of, um, caustic view in anything that I watch that is reality. So I don't necessarily see it. And I'm like, mm, culturally, this show's bad. I'm like, mm, culturally, this is a reality TV show. So, so that's mm-hmm. that, that's kind of more direct the way that I think about it, Sunil. It's not about South Asian culture. And then, or not. Positioning it back to Srini, Srini, you know, like what would you say to people who said, you know, kind of reflecting on Yasha's takeaway? Oh my gosh, the show seems super scripted, et cetera. In your no. view, was it was it? Go ahead on that. No, I mean, look, look, I I can't speak to what happens after, you know, I filmed it because like all I did was show up and, you know, had them film and went home. So, um, look, I mean, you guys run a podcast 
you know, Sunil, you ran a media publication at the end of the day, like media is about narratives. Like, so I'll give you an example right now, you know, there's an article in New York times about the 36 questions to make anybody fall in love. And, you know, like I was like, okay, I want to try to do this, like an episode of this is a podcast. And, you know, it was based on the fact that I'd actually use those 36 questions on a first date and it ended up being this really amazing first date, but obviously that would be weird as shit to record a first date. Um, and tell somebody I'm using this for a podcast. So I had my roommate and his girlfriend do it. And, you know, like when you hear it, it'll sound like this incredibly sort of, you know, story. It's like, ah, oh, that's actually how that all played out. And I was like, well, some of it, yes, but like where the story gets made is in editing. Editing is about telling a story. I mean, you know, as you, as you said, like, you know, so, and again, that's true. That doesn't matter whether it's reality TV or not. That's true for any form of entertainment that you create. You know, I mean, hell, it's true for the news. Like, I'm sure, you know, you probably see edited versions of a lot of things. And of course, because the truth is like, it's just designed around like the way humans consume information, like the way our attention works, um, which mine is virtually non-existent for school at Berkeley. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's a story for what, another uh, day. Well, look, you're a, you're, yeah, it is, yeah that, that sounds like a separate podcast that maybe you should, <laughs> maybe you should do. But the, uh, um, you know, if you had to just, I know you talked about this at the start, and I just wanted to crystallize the answer a little bit more. But, you know, what ultimately was the most, I mean, you're a media guy, and you have a really deep understanding of how it works. But what was your ultimate motivation for going on? Like, was it, if you had to answer just deep inside of yourself right now, was it to no. find love or was it okay go ahead yeah i mean i i think that look the the challenge was saying you're going there to like just find love in my mind was going in with too, you know too many expectations which is a recipe for disappointment which was my dating life you know up until that point like i, I learned sort of you know in the last year it was kind of like i'm realizing there's one commonality to every dating situation that this that ends up being this huge disappointment and it's that i have so many expectations from that situation like obviously that's very much a cultural thing because you feel like every girl you meet might have to be the one that you're going to marry and of course you scare them away when that's how you're coming across um so yeah so like, like i you know did i go there thinking oh this is going to be like i just like i i you know if i don't find love i'm going to be so disappointed no was i open to it yes um, but I also went in very clear that like, you can't, you know, like having, it was A.R. Amand who said, when you expect nothing, everything comes to you. Um, and so to me, that was just kind of a good way after a year, like, you know, long, just fight with like, you know, struggling with my dating life. I was like, okay, I, that's it. I'm just going to go into every date expecting nothing. Let's just say that those dates went really well when I did that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. and, and that was a, like, oh, that was a profound lesson for me in detachment and, you know, how much more attractive everybody is when they have no sort of expectation of the situation. Cause then you have like this freedom to like express yourself that you don't otherwise. And you, and the thing is, there's like a, you know, lightness to the whole situation. There's not this heavy layer of, Oh, it has to turn into something. It has to be something. It's like, I just met you. Like a, I have no expectation of this situation. Um, so yeah, uh, that's curious on that. So this is my this is my this is my last question, and, and then I know Yasha has the uh, our, our wrap up question, which we we talked about. But this is more of just a guilty pleasure research <laughs> question. Um, shout out to uh, to Amrita from from Twitter who helped uh, who, who helped craft this question. But just basically, I, I am curious about this. Did you you know for those who haven't watched the show, you know um, Trini's obviously matched with 
uh, with an individual. But did you research or Google this individual before meeting them? And, you know, to what extent did you research them before that first meeting? No, not at all. Um, that's, that's always an interesting thing. Like, it's funny because when you're me, like the ability, this actually po- causes actually a lot of challenges for me with, you know, dating apps. Um, because I'm not the average person you're going to find on a dating app. Like if you Google me, there's no shortage of stuff you're going to find. Like the, so you go in with this sort of, oh, great. This person knows all this stuff about me and I know nothing about them. That's not really, you know, ideal. So no, I mean, not at all. <laughs> All right, but the way you um, answer that made me think yeah. you're the kind of person who like opens up Bumble and doesn't look past the first picture because you just you just want to be excited and interested when you meet somebody and see all the rest of the things. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Like I yeah, that's fair. Although that's a whole other conversation about you know guys and their biological reaction to Bumble. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's but that's that's you know another, you know, like rabbit hole. Um yeah. I mean, look, do I want to know something, but yeah, I mean, like to me, it's like, what's the point? Like it's even, you know, even by design, like, you know, I interview all sorts of people, right. Ranging from, you know, porn stars to like, you know, presidential candidates. And the funny thing is people always say that like, they're almost, you know, they're always said, well, well, the depth of like the questions you ask, you must do so much research. And I think it's deceiving because I do almost no research. Like I most all read their about page just so I have a sense of an arc because to me, like the whole interview is a process of discovery. And I think that that's just a more exciting way to, to go about it. And I think that's kind of a way I would, you know, approach this too. It's like, why would you do all that? There's, there'd be there's nothing left to discover at that point. Well, we have that in common because y- neither Yasha or I did any research about you um, before before this interview. So, no. uh, cool. <laughs> it makes it more fun. Yeah, Yasha, you're supposed to laugh. What the hell? <laughs> no, I was I was laughing on the inside, <laughs> Daniel. Doesn't work as well. It was really good laughing on the inside. Well, it like I want the pandemic to be over so we can just do this shit in real life again. Sorry, that was I know. Bad. I was smiling yeah, with my I, eyes. I feel you. <laughs> I, I want the pandemic to come, you know, be over so I can actually see you guys in real life for one, you know, it, and we could actually do this with like booze. <laughs> this is not a Joe Rogan operation, Absolutely. just to be clear. Or it sounds like ecstasy is your thing. Maybe you can do well, ecstasy. And we can just- not anymore. I mean, I, I was like debating whether I smoke a joint before I come and do this with you guys. And I was like, ah, Mike, I'll do that afterwards. <laughs> Hey, so with that, right, with uh, that note, Russia. this has been a blast. This has been an absolute blast. We have one question that we ask to every guest on the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. But first, I want to figure out where you spend your time on social networks. Like, which of the networks do you spend your time on? You're like 90% Facebook oh. and 10% Twitter? Um, okay, so <laughs> up, until the, up until this week, I had more or less quit all three of them, um, like for literally the last, you know, 90 days. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally, I'm a big Cal Newport fan who the guy wrote a book called Deep Work. Um, he's a professor at Georgetown. And so I, you know, I quit. Like I literally stopped, I think sometime in late January or no, the beginning of January. Uh, and, you know, like if you actually go look at my Instagram feed and even my Facebook feed prior to like this last week, you, I think the last update was sometime in December. Um, I think I made a documentary film about the women in my family. And that was the last time that um, I shared anything on social media uh, just because I wanted to share it and I wanted to have my, my family members see it. But um, yeah, so that was, uh, you know, so it's hard for me to say, like, I've, I've, I've always liked Twitter uh, more than I like Facebook because I don't find it nearly as distracting. Although this week it's been incredibly distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I like Twitter because I've, I mean, I've found a lot of really interesting people who ended up being guests on my podcast um, via Twitter. Uh, 
Whereas Facebook just seems like a, a giant mess, you know, it's overwhelming. I mean, this whole week has been overwhelming. Like my, my roommate is like, no wonder you're so tired. He's like, you're probably experiencing media burnout. Uh, and so uh, I, I tend to like, you know, in that sense, like Twitter, but we actually, for unmistakable, we use a private social, like we built our, our platform for our community on Mighty Networks because, huh? you know, like I like owning my content. Like I like owning my data and I, you know, don't like the fact that an algorithm will determine whether the audience that I spent years building will see it or not. And the fact that I have to pay to access the audience that I built. <laughs> here, here. You know? So I think. Well, I'm, I'm totally with you. I appreciate that. So, so now that we have a little bit of a sense of where you're spending some energy and maybe we'll consider moving forward in those places for our listeners, yeah. is, is there a recommended follow or two that you wanted to throw out? Yeah, I mean, if, if you follow the Unmistakable Creative uh, Instagram feed, like I, I'm fingers crossed my personal Instagram will pretty much be more or less not very active after this week. I'm like, you know, already kind of like, wow, this is draining. Like I forgot how draining this is. And the thing is, and that was before, before any of this happened. And now I'm just like, holy shit, this is like, just, you know, a total drain, like on, on my like mental energy. Granted, I, don't, I didn't sleep very well last night. So maybe that's why I feel this way right now. But, um, but I think that this contributed to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, you know, unmistakable CEO on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm at the point where it's like, I'll check it once a week. You know, like I don't even have this stuff installed on my phone. Like I delete it for weeks at a time. Um, just because I, I know, I, I mean, I mean, you guys have interviewed the CEO of Instagram. You guys know better than anybody, given what you do. Like this stuff is designed to be addictive. So Srini, I think uh, 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 Yasha, in addition to, by the way, follow, follow Srini on social. We want one outside of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, outside of me? Um, do you, like a, a social following? Somebody you should follow on social? Or, right. uh, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. do you follow? Who do you, who do you follow on social? Any platform? Who do you, uh, who you know who you know who I think is is who I've always said has had a really big impact on my thinking is Julian Smith. Um, Julian is like I think he was an investor in whatever that company was that you saw me on that chat platform. Julian has just had a way of thinking about the world that he's usually so far ahead of most people, like in the way he thinks. Like he he can art- and he's incredibly articulate. Like Julian was the one who turned me on to writing a thousand words a day. So I'm forever grateful for him that for him to teach me teach me to do that um and it wasn't like he forced me to do it but you know i was like ah this guy's one of the most popular blogs in the internet and and keep in mind and the other thing i've always appreciated about him is is that he's never let himself be defined by one project like when he's ready to move on he does so like he's the ceo of a company called breather which is like airbnb for office space so mm-hmm. i would say julian All right. that was the first person that came to mind <laughs> we're like we'll take it he's great hey this has been a, a really fun conversation we appreciate you taking time yeah with us today. for sure of course. So Neil, um, what kind of drugs did you take in college? Uh, I was high on life. <laughs> I think you still are today. I'm kidding. That was actually a crappy setup. That was a really fascinating conversation, super wide ranging. And I thought you guys were both pretty vulnerable talking about some of the insecurities or the, the challenges that you deal with, with the stereotypes that you live in. You know, we've done uh, editions of the podcast where I feel like it's it's hit us in various different ways. This one really hit close to home for me, of course, because Trini Voss knows Chitra, my wife, and several of her college friends and my close friends. So this was an absolute pleasure and was kind of an exploration of my own past in a way. It, it was an absolute blast for me to be a part of as well. So thank you guys, both of you, for letting me be a part of the conversation today. Gosh, you never have to 
thank us for being part of a, a <laughs> podcast that we've co-hosted for hey, well, you know. now. Hey, I was thinking today that we might have to actually change into season four of one of these days. So maybe after the special episode that everybody just listened to, we might move into season four pretty soon. <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, today was an awesome episode, a uh, lot, lot of fun discussion, a lot of important discussion. And if you enjoy this podcast, wherever you found this podcast, please go back, rate us five stars, leave us a comment. We read every single one and it helps more people find the show. Thanks for listening to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as Sunil and I enjoyed recording it, Please go back to the application you found this podcast on, rank us five stars, leave us a comment. We read every single one. Thanks for listening to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley.